Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday, and welcome to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Busy weekend ahead. Um, playoffs. So, you know, hopefully you've got a team. Go Florida. All of all of the Florida teams are in the playoffs this weekend. So, I mean, what playoffs, period. So, um, um, congratulations, Miami, Jacksonville, and Tampa Bay. So one of the things that's going on this weekend, and not just one, there's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. There are celebrations throughout the city, state, nation, celebrating the the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whose holiday is on Monday, and whose birthday is on Sunday. And we are going, and a lot of celebrations have already started. Today, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about civil rights and you know, the King legacy. And we have, uh, first of all, Ms. May Hazleton with All About the Ballots, who's joining us this morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. And Happy New Year. It's such a great privilege <laughs> to be able to spend some time with you in this new 2023. Amen. Amen. I, I just, I feel good about 2023. I, I don't know. Absolutely. Ever kind of like a, a release from some sort of <laughs> bondage or whatever. Um, I think I think the thing, part of it is, I think the more that even though people are still getting COVID and whatnot and there's still other um, variants that are, are coming out, I think the more that we get through it and I think the more that doctors and other healthcare professionals are able to understand it and develop ways for us to um, resist it, you know, and get through it, I think that it has eased a lot of minds and easing a lot of minds. Even though I got it around the holidays, I still feel blessed that, you know, it didn't keep me down that long and, um, you know, I was you know, able to get through it and, and still celebrate the holidays in some way and, and just get, in, get into the new year and just keep going. I'm I glad you brought thing. that up, uh, Gretchen, but just for a moment, let us remind folks that there is a new variant out. Right. And that is a very aggressive strain that's out. And we, we need to remember to be careful uh, for mm-hmm. ourselves, for our families, for our friends. So let's mm-hmm. not let our guards down. As no, we not at all. Remember, as we remember Dr. King and, and celebrate his life, his legacy, and what he has mm-hmm. done for us, for the country as well, but more yeah. uh, narrowly what he did for the community of color. 
Definitely. And yeah, I'm not saying at all to let your guard down, but I'm saying it's yeah. like we know what to do now. We know what we're supposed right, to do. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's no, you know, we know the basics, the hand washing, the wearing of the mask. Um, people, if you're not uh, constantly wiping down your door handles, door knobs, and, and your light switches and, and your stair, stair handles and all that type of stuff, even, you know, stuff in your car, uh, you know. You should be doing that regularly by now, just to kind of you know help keep on top of things. But but anyway, Absolutely. I want to talk to you about all about the ballots and the good work that you're doing, um, and how you best uh, represent your organization best represents the King Legacy. You all were very busy um, prior to and around election time, and and you're still going. Still going. Twenty twenty two was a banner year. Um, and we were doing our year in review, uh, and particularly at the end of the year when we did so much around voting. Um, we did get out the vote events at Lake Sumter State College when they were having their orientation, talking to over for uh, 250 students at their Leesburg campus as well as their South Campus in Claremont. National Voter Registration Day, Gretchen, We were very aggressive. We had five different locations where we had voter registration. Stephanie Dukes was at one of our locations. We had the SOE uh, Supervisor of Elections at one location where we were uh, trying to get people ready to vote. And shortly after that, we distributed nearly 2,000 door hangers and mailed out 1,200 postcards both aimed at providing accurate information and encouraging voters to register and having a voting plan. We used the hashtag, are you ready to vote? Are you voting ready? And then we had a soul food caucus. And let me tell you about that. Uh, we get out the vote. Uh, we had, um, we gave away uh, collard greens, sweet potatoes, white potatoes, um, Elbow macaroni, yams, cornbread mix. Um, we, we gave that away free. The only quid pro quo was here. Take this voter information and be sure you vote. And so, and then we did election uh, uh, monitoring, poll monitoring for early voting as well as the general election. We had 35 uh, volunteers, a shout-out to the um, uh, Delta Sigma Theta sorority out of Leesburg with Cheryl Gibson, the president. I mean, Gretchen, I, every morning, every day, we hit, the, we hit the ground running. We pushed open our front doors and we went out and we did poll monitoring. We passed out literature. We did everything we could to educate voters and to get them to get out and vote. I just I wanted to ask you, though, there was a source of frustration for you all at, at some point, and that had to do with getting having funds. Actually, you had funds because you're nonprofit, but um, you get monies from different, you know, donations and grants. You had funds to pay people to monitor the polls, to come out and do certain work for you. 
um, and you still couldn't get the you know more people. Um, and the fact that even though you you know you were doing great work and people were responding, when we look at the poll numbers, still enough people did not respond. So absolutely, are, are there any types of when you sit down and, and take a look? Okay, these are our successes, but this is where we would like to have done better and and want to do better. Are, is, are there strategies being developed? Is there a game plan? So we were funded through uh, the Ties Foundation with State Voices Florida um, to do the poll monitoring. You're so right. So we, we're paying, uh, we're training and educating you to do poll monitoring. I did it myself. It's in your community, so why didn't we get a lot more volunteers? And we did some surveys afterwards and some after action reports. Why? What do we need to do? One of the things that we need to do is get into the communities of influence, our churches, our other civic organizations, our clubs, and and talk about it early enough, early enough. Now, here's where I think we're going to get our biggest return on investment, those that actually did it and know how it's done will be our recruiters, will be our recruiters. So we, we've got, and I won't call names, we've got people that did it for five or six, five, five or six days and several um, shifts during those days that can go back, and we will make them our recruiters. So, and hopefully, no. and hopefully mm-hmm. through that personal reach and reach back and reach out on left and right, we'll get more people to come in. It, it, what when you think about what manpower, what struggle, sweat, jail time, uh, letter writing campaigns, all the kind of stuff that that occurred you know, during the civil rights movement and more marches, whatever. And when and we're asking people to do a simple thing like maybe make a phone call or maybe pass out some literature, you know, nothing uh, life-threatening per se. Um, you know, you, you would think that there would be more of an appreciation. And it gets me kind of wondering whether people have gotten too comfortable because we talk about, civil rights and, and it being a right, usually when, when people think about rights, those, they think that these things are kind of locked in, where if we're still, to me, if we're still fighting for it in order to keep, get these particular rights, so to speak, and, um, you know, to, to be able to go vote and do other things, to me it's almost like a, a, a privilege. You, sh- you should consider it more of a privilege. You know, that, and I think people... You know, rights I think you take for granted. Privileges I think you cherish more. You put those probably on a higher pedestal. You have more of a respect for that. You know, what are your I'm thoughts? I'm so glad you brought that up. Cassandra and I talk about that a lot. So rights and privileges. So when we talk to particularly that age group between 18 and 40, the fight that Dr. King had and all the civil rights leaders, and here's a quote. In 1957, he gave a speech titled, Give Us the Ballot, and he spoke very, very bluntly about the need for equal voting rights. 
1965, we were still fighting to get the ballot. So today it seems we must demand that we keep it. And so while you and I understand the, the high stakes battle that we're in, but there seems to be a lackadaisical attitude because there's a disconnect from the blood, sweat, and tears it took to get that right and the actual privilege of using that right. And so glad you made the distinction between right and privilege. We fought for the right to have it, but there are so many who won't exercise that privilege to vote. And we have conversations. So what does it take? What what has to happen to you as an individual where you will vote? Now, you have super voters. We've always had super voters. And super voters, and you got one, and you know some. You know a super voter is that aunt or that 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 uncle, you know who I mean, that aunt, that grandmother, that cousin, that's going to vote come hell or high water because they mm-hmm. remember the the fight and the right. That's me. That's you. And it, and, it's, mm-hmm. and some of the younger ones also, we remember that. So you don't have to tell me to vote. You don't have to tell me to register. You don't have to tell me that now that the law has changed for vote by mail to get my, my, my new vote by mail request in, I'm on it. I'm a super voter. They're going to do it. But mm-hmm. because we remember, we know what it means. We know what's on stake, what's at stake. Our challenge now for 2023 is fighting to get the black vote back. Mm-hmm. And that's our first focus. And our second focus is bringing the black vote home, back into our own homes, our personal home, my address, and churches versus the white neighborhoods and the evangelical white churches and engaging black super voters that I just spoke of, faith-based leaders, black influences, and black youth. But we got to figure out what that means. I look at a case example of what went on in 2018 in Alabama when they had the Senate race. And they did a thing called, Gretchen called left-right, and it was led by black women in churches, in sororities, in civic organizations. And their goal was wherever you went and you saw another black person on your left or on your right, your question was, are you registered to vote? Do you have a voting plan? Simple as that. Everybody you encountered, after you greeted them or whatever, during meetings you brought it up. And so it was a constant reminder to vote. Um, and they, they, they turned out, they turned out, they overcame tremendous uh, barriers to participation, and they felt heard, recognized, and they outnumbered their white counterparts part significantly, significantly in the vote. So we have to figure out what we do here in Lake County to have an impact like that. And, and we've got to figure it out. Do we know? Um, no. When our door hangers have a definite cultural look to them, there was common on one. Um, but we have to figure it out. When we went out to the college during orientation, we wanted to talk to the kids, and so we got their names and their ad- addresses. So we'll have a forum with them. What does it take? 
to reach you? Do we need to do a TikTok? What, what do we need to do to reach you for you to vote? As you can mm-hmm. see, I'm very passionate about it. I was so glad that uh, we have this opportunity to reach your audience because your audience can help. What does it, what does it take? Because we're coming up to an election that is so mm-hmm. critical for the next 20 years, not the next four years, not the next eight years, but the next mm-hmm. 20 years. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm going to say something, but I, and I get a lot of pushback on it, but I look at what people do in order to get, have the privilege, although some people think it's a right, it's a right but just to have the privilege to drive. You know, we, we used to have classes in the schools for, for that, but they have, they have driver's education classes that people actually go and pay for just so that they can have the right to get into a vehicle and go from point A to point B or whatever the case may be. Um, there's, there's classes. There's a test. I believe that I think we, we kind of devalue the right to vote, and maybe we need to make it where people have to do a little bit more in order to attain that right. Now, I know there's pushback because it's like, well, we fought so long, you know. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not saying anything that one particular group or class of people should do. I'm saying everybody, you know. You need to come knowing what it is to be a, a legitimate voter, and you need you need. I think you need to have classes. I think you need to know what you do with your vote. I think you need to also know what to do as a registered voter beyond the vote, and that's one of the things I was talking to Stephanie about the other day. Is like, you know, there needs to be other things that people need to know as a voter. You know, what, now that you've voted, what do you do? How are you holding your public official that you voted into office accountable? You know, so you are very far from what happened right after the civil rights and you got the right to vote. You are very far from that because churches mm-hmm. would hold meetings to teach people how to vote and they mm-hmm. get to vote. It's not just who to vote for. Right. It was not about, okay, you need to vote for A, B, or C. It was what it meant. They, they did have, have classes. Mm-hmm. If you go back to history, they did have right. classes. They did. This is what it means to vote. This is what you're doing. When you vote for judges, uh, circuit court mm-hmm. judges, this is what it means. When you vote, and, and what is their term limits? Now, I don't know if they did um, uh, tests or quizzes, as you mentioned, but there was training within mm-hmm. our community for those who had just gained the right to vote and knowing how to vote. Uh, and a lot of it was because of the quote-unquote poll tax and the information you needed to know before they would kind of let you vote uh, circa mm-hmm. the Jim Crow days. But it was right. educating. Now a lot of folks even those that vote just want you to tell them who to vote for. Why should I tell you? And why should you trust me? <laughs> right. Um, 
yeah, you who to vote for because I'm going I'm I'm a great researcher on things. I want to know what they stand for. What did, how did you vote on this? Um, even even those things, and so you make it. I'd rather you make an educated guess than mm-hmm. vote for somebody I told you to guess because then you're putting too much trust in me. Not that I would give an untrustworthy answer, but mm-hmm. it's your right, your individual right. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, um, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's definitely what right. you it's, said is a controversial idea, but mm-hmm. Russian people aren't voting, and why aren't they voting? Because they take it for granted. We, I don't know what has happened, but uh, some of us have gotten so lazy about stuff it's like and i know i notice it when every you know voting season when i'm working and people are like well i hear people saying well you know i'm voting the the person that whose name i saw on the sign i see a lot of that you know it's like so if i pay enough money and put a lot of signs out there and i i do i i do believe in my (laughs) i do believe in my heart of hearts that there are there are some people that got elected during, and I won't name names, although I could. But there are some people that got voted during the election season because they had the signs out there, small and large. They had vehicles covered um, where they could just freely leave parked somewhere where a lot of people were going to pass by. Um, and these people got in office, and you have to ask yourselves, you know. Why are you why are you voting? Are you voting uh just because you feel obligated to vote? Are you voting for this this particular person because you actually know about them and believe in them, you've read up on them, whatever? Why why are you voting? You know. And, and you know, when that person gets in office and starts doing a bunch of different things and you get upset, you have to kind of look at yourself in the in the mirror and hold yourself accountable and say you know, what could I have done differently to make sure that that person either A, didn't get an office, or B, is going to act in my best interest, and how can I hold them accountable? You know, so one of, we have one to of take a little did. bit more of a proactive stance in our in how what we do once we vote and how we vote. Well, one of the things that, that I told people when they were, and I had several, several calls on um, asking for opinions on who to vote for because they know the integrity of all about the ballots. Now, they know we're nonpartisan, but they know the integrity of all about the ballots. So I would try and guide them to where that information can be found, like for the League of Women Voters, where they just simply give you uh this is what this candidate thinks, says, and has their their political platform and how what they believe in, and this is versus the other candidate, and some of that, and try and lead them to that. And then I think the Orlando Sentinel publishes some information, but it is the lack of personal care and desire to know until one or two days before the election. So the first thing we must address, and Cassandra and I are going to try and figure out a vehicle to do this, is get your information early. How early can we provide that information? Not who to vote for. We're nonpartisan. But where can you find that 
information to make a informed decision. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we, we, we don't do, that we don't mm-hmm. do as a holistic community. Mm-hmm. The second thing is when there are candidate forums, I went to Gretchen at least three forums where I was the only black person in the room. And so one of the things I said, why am I the only one here? Why, why am I the only one here? One was for a school board, for election to the county school board. Actually, I have no children, so I shouldn't have been there. You know, I, I had more reason than anybody not to be there. I don't have any children or grandchildren. But it's the county I live in, and the election uh, impacts people I know that do have children or grandchildren or relatives. But I was the only black person in the room. Yeah, yeah. We we have to kind of get organized because, yeah, sometimes our jobs or whatever prevent us from being in, in certain situations. But let's partner up with some other people and say, okay, I can't go to this. Can you go to this? Um, you know, all of us are not working the same schedule. So we should be able to partner up and then come back together as a group and share this information. Um, I think the church groups need to get back involved in a lot of this. I really do. But um, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Now, what I did yeah. from each of those um, sessions that I tend to candidate forums, I took notes, and I simply wrote, wrote down the question and the candidate's response, just raw response, no judgment. And I provided that to as many organizations as I could. I went to the candidate forum, the question, and here's how they responded. At least provide that information. And maybe based on what you just said, because of the differences in schedules and responsibilities, because of a lot of the schedules don't allow people to attend these, then we have people that are targeted to, like myself, and I'm a retiree, that can go to more of these, then they feed that information back to other organizations so at least those organizations can get it down into the community. It definitely will be a concerted effort, definitely will be a concerted effort. Get it to the churches. Mm-hmm. Kevin Anderson, civil rights attorney with Anderson and Welch, are you there, sir? Here and listening. I am here and hey listening. There. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So do you have any questions for uh, May Hazleton and All About the Ballot? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I kind of felt like, um, you know, when you, you said that we needed to get more involved in uh, some of the social efforts, uh, that um, I, I was looking for uh, a social effort relative to police activity. Um, you know, do, do you have any thoughts about how the average person could uh, embrace uh, law enforcement so that um, you know, things look a little more different than they are today? So um, I belong to a group um, called Better, and it's in um, and it's out of but we often interact with not only the Tavares uh, Police Department, but the Eustace and Mount Dora Police Department are there, and occasionally we've had um, the police chief from Groman and even uh, Tim out there, where we sit down and 
a forum and talk about community perceptions and how those perceptions impact both sides, the policing of that community and um, how the community perceives that. For instance, um, at one of those sessions, uh, we talked about the differences in what policemen say to children for, like for white children, they may say, hey, Johnny, how are you doing? I uh, hope you have a great day at school. But to a uh, black child, they may say, uh, we're watching you, we're keeping an eye on you. That, that sets a difference. And it just, and there may not be any harm in, in, in either one, but the perception. So my focus is to, and I belong to that group, and it's out of and led by Pastor Mike Watkins, and I make sure I'm there and build a relationship with the uh, uh, Chief Corsi, who's the new first female police chief in Tavares, and build a relationship with her. Um, so my answer to that is, outside of all about the ballot, I personally belong to organizations that strive to build relationships with the police department, positive relationships where we sit down and discuss in a forum where we just simply talk. The first step to making a positive impact is to have a conversation because I won't, I won't hear you unless I can listen to you and I'm in the same room with you. Um, we talked to members of the Lake County Sheriff's Department as well when there was a tasing incident over at the Eustis High School and trying to figure out how things go. It's just having a conversation. And it's difficult. It's hard. It is very, very hard. But you have to start somewhere. Yeah, one May of the first and I, hope, I mean, that was a little roundabout way of saying that we have to have conversations and start talking. You have to invite the police department into those conversations, and the police department has to be willing to invite the community of color into their conversations. May Hazelton, you gave me much more time than, than I know you said you would give me, and I appreciate it. I did. Thank I did, so but I was, I was so thankful for that conversation he asked because it's an important mm-hmm. conversation. It really is. It yeah. really is an important conversation. Um, and I thank you for the time that you've allowed me. I'm very oh, yeah. passionate about the work that All About the Ballot does. Um, so any opportunity mm-hmm. to um, talk about that is very important. It's very and, and a pleasure to do so. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to have you back soon because I, I, I hear Kevin chopping at the bit. We, he, he's got other questions, but we'll have to do it another time soon. No, so. But, Kevin, you're going to stick around. Don't go anywhere, Kevin. So thank you, May. Take care. Talk to you soon. You all be well. And, and tell uh, Ms. Cassandra Brown hi for us. Okay. All right. Thank gonna, you. Have a great day. You too. We're going to take a quick break. Kevin, don't go anywhere. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? 
With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson & Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson & Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson & Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are talking civil rights and the King legacy, and if you want to join the conversation, the number is 516-387-1944. Kevin Anderson, civil rights attorney with Anderson & Welch, joins us now. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, doing fine. It took me a little bit to get here today, but I wouldn't miss it uh, That's okay. for the world. For the world, I really enjoyed your your first guest, and then thank you for allowing me to put a question to her. Um, you know, I've been, you know, wanting like I said, to... we'll have her back. We're going to get you all together. So. All right, that's cool. That's cool. I tried, tried um, to get the so... other buddy, but he's busy. So another time. <laughs> he's busy. Uh, you're talking about uh... now. I'm not going to name yeah. names. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, talk to us about. Where you see civil rights, uh, especially in your uh, expertise, in 2023? I think there's been progress. I foresee uh, more uh, movement, more advancement, uh, but there is a a long, long way to go. Uh, We've got a police reform bill uh, sitting on the the desk of the United States uh, Senate. Uh, majority leader's desk, uh, you know, that needs to be moved uh, into uh, uh, the law as uh, a signed bill. Uh, And that's probably not going to happen uh, because of the the split Congress. Uh, But um, there definitely is awareness uh, that we as a nation have a problem in policing. The states embrace uh, some of those problems and have uh, initiated things such as uh, the body-worn cameras, uh, police uh, oversight to some degree, review of uh, applicants uh, who seek uh, to join these police agencies. Uh, They are coming to the table with respect to conceding uh, sovereign immunity uh, that uh, impacts their uh, response to excessive use of force. Uh, it's happening little by little, little by little, brick by brick. Um, so I, I, I am encouraged, but I, I'm not uh, willing to walk away yet and to think that it's, it's, it's in control because it's not under control. Uh, and I'm talking about police reform with respect to civil rights. It's not, we're not out of the, uh, the harbor yet. Uh, we're still uh, moving towards open water. Uh, so um, that's kind of a, an, an overview of, of my, my, my perspective of uh, the advancement in civil rights uh, concerning police activity. What do you say, think that um, Dr. King would be saying right now about what is going on? I mean, I'm sure he would have to have been pleased with some forward 
progress. As I was talking to uh, May Hazleton in the uh, last half hour, to me, it just seems like we've taken some things for granted in, in that maybe some things that we call rights. Uh, for some of us, we, maybe we need to call them privileges because I think we hold a privileges a privilege in higher esteem than a right, which I feel like we take for granted. And maybe you know we would like to take them for granted. Maybe we should be able to take them for granted, but history tells us that we can't. Yeah, we can't. We, we can never take them for granted. Uh, there are, are a lot of moving parts that people are just simply unaware of. Um, Dr. King, uh, one of the uh, his main platforms was uh, uh, the fight against racism um, that was apparent brutality. And um, one of his uh, famous quotes was, we can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. That was one of his quotes, and you don't hear that often. Uh, you, you see it in certain writings, but you don't hear it often. He said that, uh, and he said that during his, uh, his uh, uh, speech uh, uh, on Washington. Uh, during that famous uh, March on Washington speech, he said that quote. And um, his activity in the civil rights area regarding police misconduct uh, it was prolific. Uh, he, uh, after being released from the Birmingham jail, um, he traveled to Los Angeles. Uh, he also traveled to Chicago uh, in an effort to address the un- unparalleled civil rights abuses in the form of police brutality. And um, he was appalled by what was happening, not only in the South, but also in the North. And, and that is something that, again, is, is not often talked about. And one of his biggest things was that, listen, you know, we've got civil rights abuses going on in the North. And, you know, in fact, I think what he did was he, he, um, what he, he uh, addressed this Northern uh, civil rights uh, abuse activity as a system of internal uh, colonialism. Uh, where the police and the courts act as enforcers. And he, you know, tried to make people understand that this is not isolated to the South. It's happening in the North, and it's happening out West. So, like, you know, it's a canker that's moving in to destroy the country as a whole. Uh, And, again, people just aren't aware of that because they're not taught about his legacy as fully as it should be taught. And as long as we've got censorship in our schools – uh, they're never going to be taught this because mm-hmm. um, they're they're not permitted to learn this uh, from the mouths of our educators who have our children's minds uh, and uh, you know they're stewards over. So uh, it's appalling. You know, we actually, as much as we need our schools, we actually have to stop relying on our schools for everything. Okay, we should know this by now. Uh, they they're only they're only going to teach us limited curriculum, um, and there's a, a very few people that are involved in the uh, selecting of the curriculum. And we, especially as Black people, have always had to rely on our elders, uh, you know, our, our parents, our, our 
community leaders, uh, our churches, we've had to rely on other people to get the full picture of how our lives are and how they are supposed to be. So we can't necessarily rely on our schools, uh, you know, no matter what they do, whether they, they open it up wide or they, you know, censor, censor it down to the, the bare minimal. Um, because even even whatever's in schools, you got to wonder, okay, what is – what is correct and what is not? Whose truth are they t- teaching? That's true. So, I, I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Even the churches sometimes, you know, don't get it right um, because mm-hmm. they don't know themselves. You know, we're you know we're coming up on an age of uh, of pastors mm-hmm. and church leadership um, that didn't get what we got. Okay. And mm-hmm. so if they don't know, how can they teach people who need to know? So, exactly. You know, they're, exactly. You know, they're yeah. And I have to say, unfortunately, and I was talking to my husband about this last night, that there's a degree right now, and I hate to say it, I really do, but there's a degree of ageism where you have a lot of young people that are in positions where, you know, they want to see some some things change and some things new, but they want to discard the wisdom of age. They want to discard, you know, kind of like, they're trying to do in, in the schools some of the the painful memories and, and things that have happened just in order to move forward and you have to have a, a balance you have to know because like as as the saying goes those that uh don't know their history are doomed to repeat it amen and we that's what causes amen. us to go into that that kind of vicious cycle and everything but but we so we have to one of the best vehicles out there to get information and we don't take advantage of them are our libraries. You know, not just general libraries. There are law libraries. There are, there are all kind of libraries where there's shelves of, of books. There's um, computers where you have access to a variety of information. I mean, the libraries are very different than when I grew up. And my, my parents had me in the library a lot. You know, we, they'd rent films and, and audio and, and all type of stuff that you could, you could do at that time to bring it home. And and now you don't even have to necessarily go into a library. You can have library membership, get information. They teach language classes now um, on online and in the library. In the library, you can take stuff that, you know, they you don't see taught, taught much anymore like sewing. You can teach, take that hmm. in the library. Library is a wealth of information. So go to the library, get some books, go online, get some information, read up, and then ask questions. You know, because the thing is, you, you're getting information, but you still need to kind of sometimes bounce that information off of other people and get feedback to find out, you know, okay, is what I'm reading the truth um, or what kind of pers- – if it's the truth, what kind of perspectives do I get? You know, some some people will, con- will consider it factual. Some people will con- consider, it, consider it fictional, you know. But it's a starting point, What about point, social media? I think. How about social media? What do you think? I mean, because we've got, you know, a, a generation of, of people who are just glued to social media all day and all night, you know, the Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, uh, not so much Twitter as much uh, anymore. But, uh, um, you, know, I, I, you know, as I go through, you know, my social media, um, and mm-hmm. sometimes I see you, actually, uh, G. I see, I, oh, really? I, uh, oh. I do. I do. I, I see on, on LinkedIn. I see That's things that, are, that, you, that you posted. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah. that seems to be where the 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 the, the people are. Oftentimes, and mm-hmm. you know, I go through and I read something. I'm, I go and when I'm reading it, I look at it and I think, "Wow, I didn't know that. Are you kidding me? What's going on here?" You know, yeah. interesting story. Right. So perhaps that, so perhaps that platform is a is a is a very useful platform. A certain uh, amount or number of people who would not otherwise go to a library because I know I haven't been inside of a real library for real since. Oh my but that's god! What I'm saying. I mean, I'm that's, you know, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. You don't have to necessarily go inside a library. Our library has a great online presence. They'll tell you what things are going on and what branches. That's one thing, too. You don't have to go to just one location. There are branches of the library where you can, you know, you can be driving by. Oh, there's a branch of the library, and I can go in, you know, and, and, you know, some of them have programs. But like I said, you can go on to, for example, the Orange County Library System. You can go on to their website and take a language class. Okay, you can take classes or read materials. They will even uh, send you books if you want, don't want to go to the library themselves. If there's a book that you're looking for, you can actually have a book sent to you, and you can send it back. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily have to. If, if going to the library itself is not your thing, that's fine. But you have the opportunity to gain a lot, uh, and you're paying for it with your taxes, you know. And even if you're not a citizen, and I'm just, and I'm just saying Orange County Library, they have a way you can um, access some of the library's um, information and, and uh, programs for a minimal cost without having to be an Orange County resident, you know? It's not. So, it's yeah. So, like I said, the library has much changed from what it was when I was a kid, and, and it still had a lot then. But um, when I was younger, I was an avid reader, so I, I did spend a lot of time in my school library a, a lot. So, But what all I'm saying is that, and you're talking about social media, social media is great. It has its pros and cons, too. You have to be very careful in terms of, you know, who who is the source uh, of the social media, and and um, you know, uh, have, can you verify what's being said? You know, are are there multiple sources that are, you know, especially with with news information, are there multiple credible sources that are giving you this information? You know, you can't just take one. Uh, item and just consider it like they used to say gospel truth <laughs> you just can't mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. yeah I agree I agree yeah, I, I yeah. mentioned social but media because that's yeah, where it, they it's, are it's, it's, it's great it's, it's great for at least igniting the spark it, it's, it's great for that you know to say huh I saw on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever I saw this did you hear about that I mean, I even do that sometimes with my husband. It's like, you know, I heard or saw whatever. And then he will have seen or, or heard something different because he actually gets information from different sources a lot of times than I do. So we actually get together or are able to get together and compare notes. Well, I heard this. And then he's like, well, I heard that. You know, so, yeah, social media is, is great for, for igniting the spark, you know. But you still have to do your due diligence. You have to do your homework. Homework. That's why we were taught homework in school, because it helps us 
be more self-reliant in learning, you know, about what's out there for us. Kevin, you still there? I am here. I'm listening to you okay. free. Uh, all right. You know, I'm, all right. I'm here, man. I've gone anywhere, you know, at all. I'm uh, just contemplating what you were talking about, you know, regarding homework, and I'm just thinking, like, all right, you know, these can we rely on an age of, of the youth to do that homework? Um, do we mm-hmm. uh, accept responsibility for um, their weakness and their deficiency? And uh, will we bring the battle to them of where they presently are? You know, I recall, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in our church uh, hearing a sermon, and the sermon was that, you know, the, the devil ain't in church no more. That was the name of the sermon. The <laughs> devil ain't in church no more. Um, so it was uh, suggesting that we needed to go out to the streets and meet him where he was. And uh, if it took mm-hmm. uh, street ministry, if it took, you know, talking to your neighbor, um, then that's what you needed to do and where you needed to go. Um, so when I when I address social media, uh, I'm kind of thinking like, all right, do we need to compensate for a uh, a, a generation of people who just simply aren't going to do what G and Kevin would do? Do we need to take it to them? Mm-hmm. Do we need to put it in their laps and keep it in their laps until you know they're ready to hang on to it? And I would suggest that we need to be prepared to at least consider mm-hmm. doing that because if we don't, we're <laughs> going to be lost. We, we we won't know what's going on, you know. Um, I, you know, well, I, I have to say, to... I have to say this. I thought my mom was like the, you know, the most strict person in the world. I, I mean, oh my gosh, I, I grew to appreciate her so much. I, I mean, I appreciated her then, but I, as I got older, uh, especially I remember when I went to college and I could hear her voice in my head as I was making decisions, things that she had said or things I know she would have said in certain um, environments and predicaments. And so one of the things that my mom used to do when I would ask her, let's just say even about simple words or something like that, she would not tell me what the definition was. She would go say, look it up in the dictionary. Our dictionary was so raggedy for all of the looking up that I had to do. But it made me, after a while, I know I'm like, mm, no, nah, let's go get the dictionary, look it up. Um, she made me, um, she tried to make me very self-sufficient. She mm-hmm. made me use resources like, like I said, the library. She had me in and out of the library. She got me a library card, I want to say probably when I was six. But she got me in and out of the library, and she rented films. She knew I liked ballet. She would rent films of ballet and bring it, and and we showed it on our little um, whatever millimeter uh, machine is and and put the sheet up on the wall or whatever the case may be. Um, But she, if I wanted to know about it, she she didn't, you know, and she did not, she had a high school education, okay? She was valedictorian, she was valedictorian, of her high school, which was a class of, I think, about eight people, okay? Um, She's very old school, but she wanted me to know as much as it was was out there. She took me on vacations, different places. She tried to get me to learn things while we were on vacation, you know, without making it seem like work. So that's the key, You, you know. You have to, you know, engage our children, but you have to make it, where they are willing to absorb things and engage in things. So, you know, 
she got me interested in uh, stamp collection. She got me interested in coin collection, other types of things, you know. And, you know, I mean, my attention span is like that of a gnat. But, you know, it was things that at least I knew a little bit about and could start to have conversations and relate to other people about. She taught me etiquette, tried to teach me as much about etiquette as possible because she always said, um, I want you to be able to dine with kings and queens. Okay. So that was important. She took information that she had learned working in uh, white people's houses and, you know, brought that to bear. Uh, you know, I, you know, that's how she learned about the types of sheets and stuff that you should have on your bed, you know, uh, <laughs> which people were like, what? Having good sheets is a thing. Um, and I'm heavily invested in having good sheets now because – um, I'm heavily invested in, in my health and having a good night's sleep is important and I'm not sleeping on sandpaper anymore. I may have done that as a college student. But, you know, the thing is you have to be introduced. You have to introduce your kids uh, to things that they will take and maybe learn more about on their own and you have to teach them how to find those things out, you know. But you can't give it no, to I them agree. all the time. I agree. Uh, I agree. They're, um, you know, I – am uh, sometimes discouraged by what attracts uh, certain generations and, and, uh, and what turns them off. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's just like picking a jury. You know, you have to um, figure out what their interests consist of and how you're going to mm-hmm. keep their attention. How are you going to keep their attention? Because you want them to receive your mm-hmm. message. Um, you never yes. know who's going to wind, wind up on the panel. So, you know, you're, you're invested in their minds. You have to invest in their minds. And, and to be invested in their minds, you have to understand what they are all about and where they're coming from. You know, the same message that you're going to give to someone who's living in, a, uh, in an urban community in one of the major metropolitan mm-hmm. cities is going to be different from the message you might deliver uh, in a suburban community uh, in one of your rural uh, southern uh, towns. Uh, so you have mm-hmm. to know your audience. You have to know uh, how to uh, penetrate their mind so that they at least consider what it is that you are delivering. Um, and right now, when it comes to, to Martin Luther King's uh, uh, birthday here, or, or at least the, the celebration of his, uh, of his birth uh, and his mm-hmm. life, we need to be, I think, vigilant of uh, the mission and the, uh, the clarion call. Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. King uh, did more. He did more than just march around and you know, um, right? And you know, make a bunch of speeches. You know, he was very mm-hmm. proactive, and he he had a lot of involvement in major cities that um, we just simply don't know about. We haven't heard about, and uh, you know what, what you know what we have heard about are the bus boycotts. We've we've heard about the uh, the lunch counter sit-ins, uh, but like mm-hmm. you know, Dr. King was active in New York City. He was active in uh, Los Angeles, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when it came to, to the Watts riots. You know, he literally, you know, went to Los Angeles, and he met with the mayor, and he met with the commissioner of police or the chief of police in, in Los Angeles. And he was the forerunner of police oversight and the citizen review panels. That was what he introduced to that city with respect to handling the uprising in Watts. Uh, man, they almost ran mm-hmm. him out of town. They didn't want to hear it. 
They thought that mm-hmm. he was just a troublemaker coming to town, bringing this newfangled idea that was would never would never be adopted. In fact, they called him uh, an advocate for black lawlessness and to get moving. We're not doing it here. Um, mm. When Dr. King went to New York City to deal with uh, a shooting that had taken place in 1964, uh, at the mm-hmm. invitation of the mayor, New York City's mayor, um, Dr. King, mm-hmm. he met with the mayor and the police commissioner, and he talked to them again about oversight and citizen review boards. Once again, mm-hmm. and they chased him out of town. They, they chased him out of town, and they, they actually chastised him uh, and said, man, how in the world would you dare suggest that what you are asking us to do um, should be undertaken? Um, um, so he, he did some things you know, that we just kind of don't mm-hmm. hear about. You know, I listened to to what you're saying about Dr. King and stuff and that he did that, uh, you know, people just hear about the, the kind of stuff that was on the surface and don't really pay attention to a lot of the the sacrifices that were made. It, it, it's almost like, and I know I'm going to get some backlash, but it's almost like being Christian. Um, and I, I hear the song that they sing, Jesus Paid It All. Well, yes. He he took his, he went around and, and uh, was ridiculed and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, scourged and everything, died on the cross and everything, gave his life, gained entrance into heaven. But the work is not done just because he died, okay? There, you still have a, a chance to go the other way if you're not careful. You still have to put in the work. That's the same thing with the work that was done with the Civil Rights Movement and, and the sacrifice that Dr. King and others made, you know, for us, you know, they paved a lot of the way, but the work is not done. You know, it's like we talk about the glass ceilings. Well, you know, someone put a crack in it and another person came along and, and busted through the crack and then, you know, somebody else came down and took the whole ceiling down. Okay, fine. You still have to get through the ceiling and up to the next level. You know, you, the work still has to be done. Um, and the work still has to be done to make sure that that ceiling doesn't close again. All right. It's, it's just a lot, you know, of needing to get people to understand that, you know, some work was done, but you still have a responsibility to do more. So. Well, gee, uh, you're right. You're going to get some backlash from the Christian community. Um, they're on their way to you right now, I'm sure. Um, I don't care. They are going God knows to, what I'm uh, talking to, about. <laughs> to object to there being more work than uh, the work that was done at, at the cross. Um, yeah. They're going to be talking to you about that comparison, I'm sure. Um, uh, well, but what I can find is civil rights, the context of civil rights alone. Without and and we will have to do people. that at another time, Kevin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that time. All right. But thank you for joining us today. We Yeah, we can always talk about this. Um, we got Black That's History Month okay, coming sure. up, so I'm sure we can talk more. Sure. So, sure. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me. And you all, Take care. You too. You all, keep in mind that there are people out there that don't have shelter tonight. It's going to be very cold. Give them a cup of soup or some hot chocolate or some coffee or some tea or whatever. Just, you know, be kind. Thank you. This is Indeed's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. <laughs>